0: Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest is a writer whose work has appeared in or is forthcoming from VQR, N1, Gulf Coast, The Offing, and The Kenyan Review. He has an MFA in prose from the University of Notre Dame, and is a doctoral candidate in English at the University of Pennsylvania. He has received fellowships from Fulbright, Vona, Tin House, Cambilio, and Bread Loaf. He is now the Ansfield wolf Fellow at the CSU Poetry Center. His debut memoir, Sink, is out now. Please welcome Joseph Earl Thomas. Hey Joseph, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yeah. Thank you for having me as well. So. Of course. Um before we were recording, I talked about, you know, my love for Blue Stoop, which you are currently the director of. And before we hop into your book, Sync, your amazing memoir, I, I just want to talk about Blue Stoop. Last time I I interviewed someone who was involved in Blue Stoop, it was at the very end. So
1: I don't know if people got to that point in the conversation. Okay. But
0: like, just tell me about Blue Stoop, what it's about, what it's like kind of what you're all doing right now.
1: Yeah. So Blue Stoop, you know, is a literary hub uh, for writers in Philly. Uh, based in Philly and really interested in Philly as like a literary city. Um, <clears throat> doing things first and foremost to try and support kind of local authors. So we do like, you know, like a wide range of things. Um some of what we do on a regular, like kind of rotating basis is we offer classes for folks they can take um, of all different kinds of formats. Um, We have all different community members, folks in Philly and outside of Philly who um, teach and take the classes. Um, And then we partner with like local organizations to do uh, events, whether those are like reading or literary related events. Um, We have a partnership with um, Penguin Random House right now we're working on stuff involving like folks trying to get involved in editing uh or the editing industry or or publishing industry more broadly um so we do you know a bunch of that kind of kind of work as like a literary nonprofit. for sure yeah thanks for sharing that i just think these literary hubs these nonprofits,
0: are super important in in the culture right now of what you know we're all trying to do and i feel the more that name gets out there the more people know about it the better always yeah
1: it's really it's really helpful yeah thank you for asking me about of
0: it of course um but I invited you on more to talk about your memoir, Sync, which blew me away. And I always ask this: um, What is the book about to you? Past the literary, publishing mumbo jumbo, past everything. Yeah. What is you? What, what is Sync?
1: Yeah, I think you know. For me, the book is a lot about um, you know a kind of subjectivity that you form through childhood, or that you try to form through childhood, in particular if. You know, the set of like uh, resources that we always talk about failing, you know, that is like education, uh, family structure, you know, on and on. Uh, what happens when those things don't necessarily work out, um, and there is no like hero figure <clears throat> in the in the landscape to to make corrections to all that. So it has a lot to do with like asking questions to which there are no set of answers because you know you can only come to know things through the environment that you're in. Um, and how you kind of make do in those settings, right? What are the mm-hmm. things that then end up bringing you pleasure? Um, how do you deal with certain kinds of displeasure that <laughs> seems sometimes to be everywhere and all the time? Uh, and what you know what happens in the, in those worlds in those in those settings? Mm-hmm.
0: Part of what Day Beautiful does a lot is digs into the writer's history, which obviously you dug into your own history in this memoir. <laughs> yeah. um, And and I'm always fascinated with, like, when was writing and reading, when did it become, like, a part of your life? Was it, like, do you remember reading as a kid the entire time and writing little stories? Or, like, when did it come into your psyche?
1: Yeah, I did not. I was not a reader as a child at Mm -hmm. all, Um, which is one of those things, like, when you say that and you're in, like, a literary, a set Mm -hmm. of literary circles or whatever, um, it's estranging to some degree. I did not read as a kid. I read um, only as an adult. So a lot of my... You know, life uh, early on. I played video games, um, and that was this is like before I, everything was like voiced <laughs> as well, right? So you would have to read like pages and pages of mm-hmm. of text, whether it was like dialogue between characters or like story. But um, even as like a high school student or whatever, I didn't really read them. I didn't do anything except where I got a job, and I was like, okay, well now I have a job, and I have a means through which I can like change some degree of my life. Um, And I spent a lot of time working really. And I I didn't do much else besides that. I I worked, I played video games with friends. And then around the time I was like uh, early 20s maybe is when I really started. Well, I decided like, okay, my life isn't over. I'm probably gonna live past like 25 or whatever at that point. And I said like, I have to do something. And the only thing I could do, I was working like four or five jobs at a time. I was like, I need to like, go to college or something but i hadn't read before i didn't know like even basic algebra or anything like that and so i started trying to learn that stuff on my own and ended up going to community college um in philly uh so with the ccp and um i was reading everything at that point because i felt i was like so behind and i wasn't always and i wasn't used to reading so i was like there's everybody in this world knows all this shit and all these mm-hmm. like um you know literary high points low points or whatever are like second nature to all the people I'm surrounded by and I need to catch up so I was reading like several books a week every week for like years and years because of that
0: yeah I I find part of that uh, I find all interesting but like part of it that I'm really interested in like you are a writer now you are involved in Blue Stoop you do all these things like did you feel like behind the eight ball or like a fraud i feel like a fraud a lot of times i don't have an mfa i'm not a fiction writer i don't write a memoir i just like to talk to people about books like did you feel that
1: yeah all the time uh it was so constant uh especially like in the no more so than in the entry to like college classrooms i felt absolutely uh like a fraud um and it doesn't really go away I don't, yeah. I, mean, I don't i don't think right i second guess everything that i think do or say um now especially because i'm in like this weird situation where um of like all of my family and friends like my class background has changed so much i mean is changing continues to change back and forth mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. but like i'm in these situations with like All these people who are like middle and upper middle class college uh, folks whose like parents went to college or were teachers or so it's like such a common form that like everybody knows these kind of basics of life that structure. The way we do things and I didn't know any of that and the people who i'm closest to or feel most akin to are not in that world at all either so it's like constantly alienating I think. Mm-hmm. um in that way which which like doubles down on that making me feel like like a fraud right i'm like can i should i say that thing like is that true about yeah. this book the way that i read this text um is it acceptable to to discuss it in this way kind of thing
0: yeah yeah i i got i have a, a degree in english education i thought i was going to be a high school teacher and i it was bad at it and i did not understand how to teach and like i, <laughs> I did i didn't like try hard because i think we can get into my life, but uh, whatever. Teaching is incredibly uh, difficult. Yeah. And, like, I just, uh, yeah, you have to be like 130% into it and just yeah. to be average, you know, like. Exactly. Um, but so uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, the, the idea of being a fraud and just not knowing how to talk about things. Like I hear like other interviews and I'm just like, wow, like I don't even think about that sometimes. Or I do and mm-hmm. I'm afraid to say because it it's not my place. Right,
1: feel, right. You know? Or like what are the things that take a lifetime of like uh training you know that mm-hmm. are, like not direct training but a lifetime of like concentration in a certain set of mores that we all come to gradually yeah. accept as adults yeah. you know
0: yeah and then so you're at you're at ccp you're you're doing community college you what do you, what is like the first thing you really like, connected with like literary wise or <clears throat> writing wise
1: yeah so i had a bunch of phases i think yeah. in in my like reading life i am um, at ccp i had this professor named julie odell who uh, I was in a poetry class and she was teaching Ross Gay's book, uh, Against Witch. This is like a mm. while ago. And in it, a lot of the like imagery is like around Philadelphia and like a lot of basketball related stuff. And so I was like really into that because I think a lot of the things that were thrust on me initially were not at all <laughs> in that kind of milieu or, or world or what have you. So I was kind of immediately enamored with that and I, I started reading a lot of poetry um, in part because of her. And then um, around that time, I was in the army as well. So I was doing that, that for a while. I was a medic, so I was reading a lot of stuff that had to do with like biology um, or a lot of like, uh, you know, non fictive narratives that had to do with like sciences or, or people working in healthcare or medicine or whatever. Uh, and then a lot of like just kind of hard science biology stuff. I was interested in like animal behavior and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I had a whole like Kurt Vonnegut phase. Uh, then, I, you know, then I eventually came to like Toni Morrison, read all the Toni Morrison stuff. So there was a bunch of different um, yeah. uh, trajectories that I was in. And then I think what shaped me a lot was I ended up at St. Joseph's University, also in Philly, and I took a class with Carmen Maria Machado. And um, that class was really formative. It was on speculative fiction. But I, I came to understand like, oh, all of my interests that I had in the kind of like gaming world or whatever, uh with regards to like world building and think about fantasy and and desire in all these ways kind of congealed to this whole body of literature that one could call like speculative fiction particularly for me it was like fantasy and so that uh was then firmly like my favorite genre uh, of text in part because of that class and so that was around the time that i started writing short stories and stuff too before before that class i guess
0: had, had you Looking back, had you come across like what is speculative fiction and just Mm -hmm. connected to it or was it like just completely mind blowing that this even existed?
1: No. So not in the literary sense. Right. So Uh it was this weird thing where I would be, you know, I'd be like in these classrooms and people be like, all right, we're going to read like, I don't know, Hemingway or whatever. Right. Like that was the Mm -hmm. thing. And I was like, this is fine. Not really you know, my cup of tea. It wasn't the most interesting thing for me. But I was like playing video games the whole time, you know, and I had grown up playing video games, watching anime, that kind of stuff. Right. So fantasy was a big part of my life, but not in the kind of textual uh, or literary sense. And, you know, it was around this time where, uh, you know, Afrofuturism became a a big part of like cultural context. People started talking about fantasy in these slightly different ways, at least in popular culture. Yeah. Um, And it became like more acceptable, right? Like I was coming into thinking about literature at the same time that uh, people were getting more excited about like um, things that were in the fantastical broadly construed, you know, and becoming like more, more tolerable to mainstream folks mm-hmm
0: and so you're at St Joseph's you're still in Philly um are you like majoring in English then majoring in writing?
1: No um biology okay
0: yeah so <laughs> yeah. that's still the main thing yeah I
1: was major yeah so I, I was at um I went to CCP and then Arcadia oh, okay. and I was studying um, science and then biology and finally at some point while I'm at um, St Joseph's, I make the switch I was at St. Joseph's taking like literature courses or whatever. And I'm also doing physician assistant school at Drexel. Wow. Okay. Uh but then <laughs> but then um I met a, a teacher at the time, Aisha Lockridge, who then became a, a friend and mentor. And I think she was like a big part of it to me. Like, you know, maybe you should consider like writing as like a serious thing and not like the side thing. And um and that's what I ended up doing, you know. I discovered there was this thing called graduate school yeah. where <laughs> if you got in, you could get paid. And I was like, this is a lie, right? I think this is bullshit, you know? Um, because people where I come from, nobody knows that kind yeah. of shit, right? It's like uh and And then I was like, I'll never get into this place. Like, they'll never pay me to go to school here or whatever. And I applied to a bunch of MFA programs and got into, you know, like two or three of them. And then I went to Notre Dame for the Mm -hmm. MFA. Like that decision, you know,
0: your mentor and and like, hey, leave the science world, this path that could pay well, pretty consistent. And then deciding to write, like, what was that like for
1: you, that time period? it was um it was like simultaneously exhausting but felt kind of refreshing too mm-hmm. right so you know before this time period i had had all of my stock and things that could guarantee some measure of like financial security right um mm-hmm. but then i had, had my my son right he was getting a little bit older and i was like okay uh what is the thing that will ultimately lead to me being able to have uh the widest capacity of like free time to build and spend time with Uh, my family right um and that was not it was obviously not healthcare, but that was the thing that would uh provide the kind of highest degree of financial stability um but it was aggravating right so i had joined the army in the first place to pay for college uh i had like exhausted all those funds so they were no longer paying for uh number one and i was taking out you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans at the time right they were getting like higher and higher and i wasn't that happy and i wasn't intellectually satisfied either right Mm -hmm. i was kind of i was like this is kind of boring um like i get it i get it whatever uh it wasn't wasn't any fun and um it wasn't like adjoined enough with what i was interested in what i what i felt and so i was like yeah you know i i left and it was it was a huge risk and it you know a lot of grief came from uh some of that time and i was at notre dame i was driving back and forth to philadelphia oh wow it was a whole yeah it was it was a whole thing um but ultimately like i don't i don't necessarily regret it
0: of course yeah and then so you're at notre dame your first time like living outside the philly area
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean besides from like because of the military right the first sure, time yeah yeah yeah, sure, yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. um what was that like because
0: indiana is slightly different than philly <laughs> I, mean, I know you lived in, in the army yeah. so you saw culture right, right, like, right. you know being somewhere pretty consistently like just writing
1: yeah, it wasn't. Um, so I didn't, you know, venture out that far, right? So I had left. Sure. Um, you know, I was working like at two different hospitals when I was in Philly at the okay. time, right? So I would, I went there and I was like, okay, I can work at a hospital in like Chicago or something, right? Because I'm thinking about like, always, yeah. always. It's like I need to find ways to make enough money, uh, and on and on. Um, but that was around the time I started teaching. So I taught at a school that was nearby. I taught at Holy mm-hmm, Cross. Mm-hmm. And then i was like picking up as many courses as i could teach at notre dame but i wasn't you know like venturing out into the world of indiana that much except for uh literary programming so i started doing uh some literary programming and stuff at uh, the culture center nearby but other than that i was like i was very serious about reading and writing for that that while i would i would get up at 5 a.m i would like read for a while and write for as long as i could i would like go to class i come back and do mostly the same thing and then when classes were over i would like drive to philly stay there for a couple days and then i would drive back um so it was so that is to say right like sometimes you know when you go to a college somewhere especially if it's grad school you don't always get the sense of the place in the way Mm -hmm. that you would if you were say like really integrating into a place for work um for like work that was outside of a university that like all of course owns the town that you live in as most of these you know bigger universities do yeah what do you what were you working on
0: when you were at Notre Dame, what what was your main interest?
1: Um, I was writing a lot of short stories, so I was writing and revising a lot of like those um, kind of speculative, fictiony mm-hmm. short stories that I had started working on back in Carmen's class. In a lot of ways, um, but then I had you know other projects. I would like pick up the start of one novel and then like leave it for a while. I'm like maybe this is not the right time. Pick up the start of another and leave it. Um, and then eventually, towards the end, I was like the thing that I kept coming back to was the memoir. Mm -hmm. um i was like this is the thing that i that feels most vital or most important to me and it was also it also congealed with like the health and lives of my family members right um my grandfather actually he just passed Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago uh today and um i mean and, and i would talk to him about me writing this thing right and i and i was hoping i was like i want to complete this project while as many of the people that i'm speaking to and about are still alive uh and can like participate in this thing in a real way with me and um and that that made that was part of what made that project more urgent for me
0: yeah I'm always fascinated with like memoirs because you're affecting real people's lives I mean it's a you know mostly it's about you and your perspective but these your family is involved obviously yeah what was it like when you first started writing sync like were you nervous or is it like freeing
1: yeah, I was really nervous and I would just lie a lot, you know, I would just like anything that anyone did wrong. That was not me. I would just obscure it, you know, or I would like skip over that perspective for a while. Um, and eventually I was like, I would go back and read it myself and I was like, this is kind of corny. And I'm mm-hmm. I mean, in part because of the degree of dishonesty, right, leaving things out. And this is particularly true about um, people like my aunt or something like that. Um, and then I just started showing people I was like, hey, I'm writing this thing. And I would send them uh, sections, you know, uh, to see what they remembered or what they thought or what they felt. I did a lot of like interviews with family that I ended up not using uh, in, a, in a direct sense, but I wanted to A, try to verify some things and just to see what they what they thought and felt uh, about stuff. Yeah. And um, that helped, that helped yeah, a lot. Yeah.
0: So the family feedback was like, yeah, go ahead and write this. Was there any pushback?
1: It was um, people said things that were again, you know, I think the weird thing is like my you know, family is is mostly from like uh, like black working poor folks or, or mm-hmm. non working poor folks who like we don't necessarily get those kinds of invitations to like literature or whatever at all. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In, in any kind of way. And so a lot of the conversations were not. They weren't in the same context of like sure. the the kind of conversations we, we have about literature with like you know college educated people or or people whose um who these things are typically written to. So sometimes people are like this is like or they would be like this is funny um, or this is sad uh, but this happened or they'd be like actually this was a Tuesday or some shit like or they'd be like oh this was the date or something you know and um or a lot of folks would be like yeah this is fine as long as you like change my name or or whatever you know or, or make sure in that case. Uh, So it was to a large degree kind of heartfelt I'm being of course a dog is walking (laughs) up on me right now. Um, (laughs) To a a large degree, we it helped us have conversations about things that had happened, and to think about like what uh, what kind of context were possible moving forward and sometimes there were there was none right like sometimes there was no possibility, um, and sometimes there was It's definitely made me closer to my sister at the Mm. very least. and to some degree, my little brother, who's like not really um, in it that much, because he was like so small at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Like I, I, I read a lot of fiction. I don't read too much nonfiction, and when I do, it's like usually a memoir because I'm fascinated, in like just the the lives that I didn't live. You know, I've had yeah. a pretty cushion, and not like trauma porn or anything like that. But I'm just like it, it broadens my horizon. Like you know, that's why I like memoirs, and knowing like how it shaped you as a human and as a writer is always fascinating because I think a lot of people just think of like oh this is it the memoir's out um and that's it (laughs) nobody's thinking yeah yeah yeah, Joseph changed during (laughs) um I
1: did yeah it made I mean it it made for some interesting conversations um with with my grand my grandfather and my my mother too and I um I mean I feel you on the on the memoir thing like I would read I was obsessed for a while with like 20th century memoirs by like mm-hmm. Black writers who moved around a lot or who like left uh, the United States for whatever reason, whether it was like in the Pan-African sense or when other places, people like Audrey Lord or Langston Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was for a long time, I was really, really obsessed. And I think now I think like, oh, I felt like kind of trapped, not just in my own self and experiences, but also in the sense of like, geographical location, because I'd also never been anywhere. So I'm like, these are all these people who had, you know, uh, uh, traversed the world in, in ways that I didn't think were possible at all. Yeah, for me at the time.
0: and and would sync, like the writing of it, like how you shaped it, how you wanted to present things? Was that fair? Like, what? What did that look like? From the initial inception to what it is now?
1: Yeah, um, it was a mess for a long time sure. <laughs> I um over the course of like the I don't know, like eight or nine or so years that I picked it up and put it down picked it up and put it down. There was so many perspective I, for one I was reading uh, dozens and dozens of memoirs. Um, and then I kept shifting their perspectives in ways that would feel kind of like pleasurable or interesting for me first. Um, because you know, I didn't want to create this thing where I, I felt like I was forced to lie by always projecting my adult perspective on like a child self uh, and using the eye to be to like pontificate about experiences that I probably wouldn't even um, work through the same in my like present kind of being, you know what I mean. And um, I wanted it to feel like it was broadened out as much as possible too. And kind of writing in the, in the third person, or you know omniscient third too is like a really common form of like literature right if you if as a person who like reads novels or anything like that uh and so i eventually tried there and it stuck and it also i mean gave a kind of air of relationship to the outside world that and the interior self that was like not infinite but that was like attempting to coalesce uh, the two and that felt The most valuable for me, right? I mean, in in another iteration of this, where like a bunch of stuff is in second person, it's a bunch of like weird syntactical changes and stuff. And ultimately, I had to decide what was most important for it to even be mildly coherent because it had gotten to the point where um, there was just too much going on and and there was like hardly any uh, of a story or narrative, and everything was just like my own uh, incessant experimentations with the text that will eventually make it into other projects, I think. Mm yeah cause I, I feel a
0: lot of people, the general public thinks of memoirs or biographies as like this very like diary, first person mm-hmm. I'm talking about the general general public and, yeah and and I always find it fascinating, like the structure and style that memoirs can be um. And that's usually what really I connect with, like, obviously learning about your past and your, your, your story and your family story was was amazing as a reader, but it was seeing how you, how you told the story, which is what really I think makes Sync so special.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like, um, you know, two of the things that come to mind is thinking about like, in particularly again, like a 20th century like uh, kind of uh, black studies context folks who come to mind like du bois or fanon right writing about double or like a sense of triple consciousness mm-hmm. and always like viewing oneself from this um this other kind of external force or we i mean we could multiply that on and on as much as we will want to think about it um what were interesting for me in this sense and i had also read um michelle t's memoir black wave uh mm-hmm. we could call it call it memoir uh this was a while, I think during my MFA, I had read that, um, which is all in in third person, right? With the character, Michelle T. There's also books by people like Ishmael Reed, for example, who will like write a novel and create the character Ishmael Reed, who does like 80% of the same exact things that Ishmael Reed himself actually did and said. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of folks who, who do that. So there is precedent for it, like across yeah. um, genres and across like modes of thinking, I think.
0: Like what's next for you? Like, are what, like not necessarily
1: I'm writing a novel about
0: coffee mugs, but like, Mm -hmm. what what do you want to explore with your life now that you've explored your life?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, um, that's a good question. I mean, I am working on like other just straight up writing projects, right? Mm -hmm. So I have um, a collection of short stories and a novel that I'm revising that will also be out through Grand Central Publishing Mm -hmm. at at Mm -hmm. some point in the next couple of years. Um, essays are always the most difficult for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm slowly like grinding through essays that are more, uh, more like criticism as well. Mm, mm -hmm. But, um, I write in, you know, in a bunch of different forums, and it just depends on whatever I can get done in that day. I think as someone now who like still works a bunch of jobs, has kids. I like get up as early as I can and I start doing like whatever I can get done that day is, is what I get done. Um, Mm -hmm. and my pace is much slower than it used to be.
0: Sure. Yeah. And like bringing up multiple forums, like your published poet, published essays, uh, published short stories. Are you able to like shift modes throughout the day or is it like today's a nonfiction essay day?
1: (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I think I think it's shifting modes all the time. And then. Maybe only when I'm when I'm done, I'm like, okay, is this the form that, that best fits this mm, question? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'll like let other people decide. Like I might send something to someone uh and ask them to read it and they're like, oh, this is like a poem or this is like an essay, this is a story or or what have you. Um and sometimes when I'm teaching, it's it's fun to work on the distinctions between those things as well, especially in yeah. the realm of like nonfiction too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Like, just thinking about this, uh, what the right form is. Because I think a lot of younger writers, and again, I'm not a teacher or anything, just think like, I'm going to write a short story, and this is what mm-hmm. is the best
1: way to tell this. Oh, I did that a lot yeah. and failed like all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, I have so many failed short stories. It's like, yeah, it's impossible.
0: And it's just better off as a poem or an essay or. Oh
1: well, yeah, or I just kind of at this point, I, I've gotten to the point where I feel OK throwing stuff away um, and I'm like, there was an idea in that or there was a sentence in that that I can use for something or that that felt important to me or that keeps recurring. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times I'm like, eh, I could just throw this whole thing away and it was good yeah. practice or something.
0: Yeah. Um, what kind of classes are you currently teaching?
1: Right now I'm teaching, um, so I teach for a couple of different places. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is the Brooklyn Institute for Social Research. Um, and so there I'm teaching a class on Sylvia Winter right now, mm. um, who is a, a favorite thinker of mine. Um, but I also teach you know, video games and Black Studies courses there too. And then in the summer, I'm going to teach a nonfiction course for Blue Stoop. Um, I'm yeah. not exactly sure what, what that's going to look like or be. Uh, and then in the fall, I'll teach um, a course for uh, the University of Pennsylvania. It'll be like a single book course, um, probably on like one of NK Jemison's books. Mm. Um, likely, likely well, the yeah. fifth season. Wow, yeah, I
0: oh, I'd love to take that class. <laughs> it's so uh, bad. W- uh, what are you reading? What are you? What video games are you playing currently? What's what's <clears throat> what's in your world?
1: Right now, me and my kids are playing, uh, and my friends and my friends' kids are playing Monster Hunter Rise. So there's mm. a bunch of us on that. Um, I was playing like God of War and, and like something else before, but Dead Space came out recently too. So I'm going to play through that, uh, that remake. And then I'm reading, um, I'm rereading Alice Walker's book, uh, The Chicken Chronicles, mm. which, which was a favorite of mine that I had read like way back in the day, but uh, I returned to it now as I like now raise chickens. <laughs> and then um, there's a, I am I'm reading, um, Ingrid Rojas Contreras' book, uh, The Man Who Could Move Clouds as well, um, that I thought I would have finished a long time ago, but there was other stuff that kept popping up. So I'm in the middle of, um, uh, of a couple of things and then I'm just going back to, to a few of them as well.
0: Thank you so much to Joseph Earl Thomas for joining the Day Beautiful podcast to talk about his debut memoir, Sink. You can find him on the internet at net and on Twitter and Instagram at jetvgc. That's J-E-T-V-G-C. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net and on all social media at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.